too much horror business driving late at night psycho 78 12 o'clock Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you were listening to episode 82 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And on this episode, I am entertaining Liam's continued and baffling obsession with Australia. Wait, 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 wait. We're really calling this an obsession now? You picked both these movies. This is the th- this is the third episode, second episode in the last three in which we've f- done a movie, done films in, all- in Australia. Well, that's not weird at all. What we said, uh, okay, let me, let me, let me reveal something to Liam's you. Liam's obsession me, stop it, with Australia. Stop it, stop it. You're almost right, but you're wrong. And here's why. We decided to do alligator slash crocodile. There are no films. alligators in any of these movies. I was not finished speaking. We decided to do alligator slash crocodile films, and we had a list made by friend of the show, Scott Weinberg, that was all of the alligator croc films he could think of. And I was interested in Australian films because me and Josh were talking about doing an Ozploitation episode of Cinepunks. Okay. So I just watched Not Quite Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dark Water or Dark Age was, okay. on, was on my mind. Yeah. From that movie. However, and this is where people need to know Justin's full of shit. I said, hey, let's do this, this topic. And Justin said, oh, like that movie Rogue? We should do Rogue. I don't think that happened. That is literally what you said. Oh, You brought up Rogue. I had never heard of Rogue. It was on the list. I had never heard of it. I know there are a lot of movies with our green friends. They're your friends. They're they're my friends, too. Green friends on the list. And I... I knew I wanted to do Dark Age because it's Australian because of this movie, but I was willing to do any of these other movies. This, and you brought this, up Rogue. This is you brought up this Rogue. This is historical revisionism at its most vile. So Justin picked one of our. We we both picked a movie today. Liam chose 1987. I, no, I know you picked Liam. I chose know you picked 1987. I know you picked Rogue Dark Age because it came up when we were talking to Josh Sprinkle at the drive-in. Liam also picked. 2007's Rogue. I did not pick Rogue. Agree to disagree. Liam picked both of these movies. I hate you so much. Anyway, uh, both these movies are Australian. Both these movies feature the wonderful John Jarrett. And both of these movies have um, crocodiles behaving in ways that no crocodile has ever behaved ever. I was going to say, saltwater crocodiles, are they that aggressive? They're not that aggressive, right? They are. But they don't creep up on people in the woods. To well, the that's, best, to, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like this, they, they, not that they won't fuck you up, but this is different. These are... This is theatrical. Right. There's, to be fair, in one of our two movies, there's so much subtext and metaphor going on. It's such a hand-wringing Australian movie. Like It's very much like a, maybe it's not so great to be Australian sort of movie. Yeah. That that alligator is just their guilt. It doesn't matter. It could do yeah. anything. It could literally just appear in the street and that would have been fine. In the other movie, there's no subtext of any kind or much there's barely thought. But there's barely any text. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, when the alligator does weird stuff in that movie, you're like, oh, this is just lazy writing. Actually... I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna expand upon this later. I put to you in Rogue. There's too much text. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they couldn't. We'll get we'll get there. But I I, I there's 
too there, there was too much going on in the movie and they needed to fucking pick a thing that's fair uh, oh, okay in one aspect of it I'll, we'll we'll get to it we'll, we'll get, get to, to it, it yeah so i decided to celebrate liam's obsession with australia and his Stop. the two the two films that so he much. picked the two films that he came to me and said we should do 1987's dark age and 2007's rogue because both of them have australian exploitation star john jarrett and i celebrate his entire filmography um liam also said earlier that paul verhoeven has a flawless discography I did and not he say that. that there, he hasn't made a movie since Starship Troopers, so Liam's opinion is suspect <laughs> at best. Justin just described to me two things that he said. That didn't happen. Before we get any further, <laughs> though. Oh, yeah, so Rogue and Dark Age is what we're doing now. This episode is brought to you by you, our patrons, on patreon.com. Uh, if you are interested in financially assisting us in any way, shape, or form, we greatly appreciate, we welcome it, and we kind of ask for it. So if you want to head on over to patreon.com backslash cinepunks, you can sign up for any one of our num- numerous uh, donation levels. Um, we do have some cool stuff for you uh, that we will mail to you when you're a patron. And uh, at a certain tier, you get an Instagram video from me where I talk about all the things I like about you. Big up to Dana. What up, Dana? For being the first to get that. I want to specifically thank a uh, recent guest of Cinepunks, Justin Nordell, because he just joined up uh, at a shout out level, and Eddie, uh, I might have already thanked you, Eddie Y. Thank him again, Yeroch. Yeah, I don't know how to say your name, but my man is on. We love it. Uh, Big reminder, and thanks to uh, another faithful Patreon, uh, Sophia. uh, But reminded everybody, if you want shirts, we got them. We got them. We need to know your address. We need to know your size. We want to send you some horror business shirts. Yeah. Horror business shirts. So, yeah. And other stuff. We got other things. Got I other want to shit. hook you up. Yeah. Uh, I'm also thinking, in, let me know if you're interested in this, uh, Patreon folks, in doing a, a patron exclusive like Zoom hang. Just be like, yo, let's get on Zoom with some some of the, the, the podcast hosts that you know and love. And let's, you know, Zoom terrifies me, but I could, I could put that aside for. So, but you're, but you've done the Skyping. Yeah. You're familiar with the Skyping. I mean, we could do another, if, and I'll put that out to the patrons as well. If you prefer Discord or some other thing, that's fine. But I just say Zoom because it's that's become the most common. People who are mostly afraid of the internet have for work had to figure Zoom out. So yeah. I feel like it's the easiest John. But well, if everyone's like, I prefer Google Hangout, yeah, we'll do fucking Google Hangout. I don't give a fuck. I've Zoomed. Do you like it? No. I don't. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I say I don't like it, but I did one uh, that was instead of for any sort of obligation, it was just people I know and love, and that was fun. Yeah, you you hung out with uh, the weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe crew. I did that, but uh, I also did a Zoom for my birthday. Mm, Interesting. And uh, some friends who I haven't talked to in a while showed up, so that was cool. Very, very good. Big up to uh, a bunch of people, but the only one who might listen to this is uh, one Mr. Stephen Welch. I like Stephen Welch. Yeah. And, of course, our friend Kylie slash Skip, she was on, too. But she's like, she's been to my house. She's met my daughter. That's different. Yeah. That's a little, that's different. She's in the, I mean, she's on the team. She's She's on the the team. She's in the slack now, She's in the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you want to be on the team, if you want to be, if you want to help us out, patreon.com backslash cinepunks, any amount is greatly appreciated. We got cool stuff to give to give you guys. Um, so yeah, there's that. Yeah. 
This episode is also brought to you by the consummate professionals at the premier screen printing company in the greater Lehigh Valley area, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yeah. Now, Liam. Yeah. If I said to you, uh oh, both, I wanted to make a shirt that said, <laughs> both of the movies that I, Liam O'Donnell, picked for episode 82 of Hard Business take place in the same universe, and John Jarrett's character is the same character in both ones. Both movies. Both movies that I picked. Where would you get that shirt made? I would never get that shirt made. That shirt is so offensive. I would not go to uh, LVAC, but if I made a shirt that said... I almost, I almost got him on a technicality. If I, if I said, Justin Lure picked Rogue, and I was going to get that on a hoodie... I would get that on it. At least about power creations. Yes. They could come... They, if, if, okay, so if you wanted to get something, such an asshole design as that, they would help you pick a design for that. Like, I don't know, me riding a crocodile off into the sunset. Go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, www.xlvacx.com. Contact them, and you're like, hey, I have this idea for this cock-headed t-shirt that I want to get made. It's like, Justin, he picked the movie Rogue. He's taking a taking a hit for Liam because Liam picked Rogue, but Justin's a good friend, and he'll say that he picked it for the goodness of mankind to save Liam's grace, whatever that means. They'll help you design that dumb bullshit, dumb cock T-shirt, and they do a bunch of other shit too. We just got we just got shirts made for our business. Uh, you can if you go on Twitter and Instagram, I've been posting about them. So uh, yeah, www.xlvacx.com. For more information. And also, I'll plug it again at the end. We have t-shirts, size, small. Don't, don't, don't bang the table. This is an audio, I'm sorry. audio I'm, medium. I'm, I'm, I'm making this cap, is an I'm audio medium. I'm doing cat biscuits because I'm nervous. <laughs> we have t-shirts. Two designs available, size, small, up through XL. They are $15 and we'll pay shipping. We'll plug it again at the end. But yeah, if you want to, you know, a cool t-shirt, which you fucking do. Don't even try to lie about it. We got them. So, uh, yeah. You want to get that deal, folks. You want to get that deal from mm-hmm. Justin. Mm-hmm. If they were on the Cinepunk store, I wouldn't charge you that little. Justin is, is hooking you up. Yeah, I don't. I, money means nothing to me. I could die I tomorrow. I know. That's what I'm saying. They better come to you. Yeah. Because if they wait, they're going to be flipping them on eBay, two, $300. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now comes the time in the podcast where I ask Liam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aside from watching Rogue more than once, which you did, <laughs> what else have you done involving Har? Almost nothing. Almost nothing. Uh, here's the thing, y'all. I, I'm in the process of moving. In fact, uh, this might be our last in-person recording for a while. It will be. That sucks. It's a bummer. It's a big bummer, guys. So I haven't had a lot of free time, obviously, because I'm putting my useless belongings into bins, which I will pay stupid amounts of money to move across the country to unpack and go why do i own these things but here we are it is what it is uh i did start but did not get a chance to finish the movie beach house which Mm. i think you started as well i can uh confirm that it is so far quite uh lovecraftian Mm -hmm. in a way i think you can say that about this one and not feel like you're being a tool no 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 there are no at no point does jake weber like ah that's a nice looking girl you got there oh wait Where's your father from? Oh, my father's West African. He's Jake Weber's like, we have to have a talk in the kitchen. Like, that doesn't happen in this movie. 
Just I'm referring to Lovecraft's racism. Yes, as as I, I do every chance I get. Yes. But I still think it's Lovecraftian. Yeah, it's about the ocean. Any, yeah. Anything involving the ocean is Lovecraftian. <laughs> Depending on how you do it, yes, it is. Uh, I did see the trailer for, well, one we're going to discuss in a second. Yes. But uh, I did see the trailer for, which I know you did, a movie called Random Acts of Violence, uh, written and directed by Jay Baruchel, also kind of starring him, but I think he's the side sort of role in it. The main star is Jesse Williams, who some of you know from Grey's Anatomy and some of you know from Cabin in the Woods. I also think he was in the remake of Jacob's Ladder. I didn't see that, so I don't know. Point is, he's beautiful yes. and political, and he stars in this film as a uh, independent comic artist who has created a character called Slasher Man. And it's like a, a guy who kills people in the comic book, and he, you know... Uh, is he a better-looking better looking Johnny Ryan? Who Slasher Man? No, uh, what's his name? The oh, actor. sure, 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 sure. No, but uh, you know the vibe seems to be he's trying to finish the series. He wants to wrap it all up. It's not like an ongoing. It's like a. I mean, there's been a few editions, but it has an ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's sort of driving around the country with his friends, trying to finish this book. And as they're touring the country on this, you know, sort of uh, finding trip, trying to figure himself out, they slowly begin to suspect that there's someone attempting to recreate the various gross things that he's written about in the comic book. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, they are, try to investigate that and figure out, like, is someone following the things that we've written about in this comic book? That kind of sounds like what happened, apparently, with Robert Howard when he was writing the Conan stories. Oh, yeah? Except that um, Robert Howard's belief that Conan was real was the result of him being uh, in desperate need of help. Sure, yes. And Conan did not show up and point a sword at his throat and say, you will tell the tale of Samaria. <laughs> and then Robert Howard took his own life. But yeah, that's, um, you know, that's this isn't a fucking Robert Howard podcast, as much as we would like it to be. I mean, we have time. We might make one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll branch off in the other author. We got the Frank Belknap Long in the line. What's he got to say about it? Other than that, not a lot, unfortunately. I haven't even watched a lot of movies. I did catch one movie. It's not horror, but I think it's kind of genre, and it started our conversation about Paul Verhoeven, where Justin asserted that Paul Verhoeven has a perfect filmography. <sighs> More lies. He didn't say that, but he did say Paul Verhoeven hasn't made any movies since Starship Troopers, which is definitely a lie. However, Name one. <laughs> uh, L. Black Box. The other one. He's only made like three, but they, they exist. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Fake news. Point is, I watched the documentary You Don't Know Me, N-O-M-I. Uh, it's about the uh, making of and re reception of the film Showgirls. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, after getting even greater heights of fame uh, than he had before, uh, making Fatal Fatal Attraction, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and to be fair, my man made Total Recall and... Uh, Robocop. So it's not like he wasn't known. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers was later. Starship Troopers was... He made Starship Troopers. The point is, he was already pretty well known, but yeah. Fatal Attraction was huge. It was actually bigger Fatal than Fatal Attraction those. or Basic Instinct? I'm sorry. Basic, basic Instinct. Instinct, yeah. My bad, y'all. Um, and you'll know this is on the list of Paul Verhoeven movies I haven't paid attention to. Basic Instinct is one. So right after Basic Instinct, he's working with the same uh, uh, script writer, and he was just like, yo... You know, this is the next thing they're gonna do is this movie Showgirls, and it was supposed to be a big deal. There was a lot of lead up to it, and famously, it did not do great. People did not like it. It was critically p 
hand. He won eight Razzies that year. <sighs> he was, by the way, the first filmmaker to ever show up in person to the I Razzies. I knew that. I knew to that. To receive yeah. his Razzies. Um, and he said, at the time, he said, well, getting eight awards for making the worst movie is better than making a movie that came out and then no one talks about it ever again. And I think that idea... Point for Verhoeven. That idea informs this documentary because what the documentary is about is not just the movie, though it is about that to some extent. It's very much about three ways that people tend to receive this film. One is is that it's a piece of shit. Like, they're just... This is a bad movie. They might appreciate the way it's a bad movie in some ways, but it's a bad movie. Yeah. Then there's... It's a masterpiece. People just don't understand it. It's this high-level satire. There's all this brilliant stuff going on in it, and whatever. And they have people talking about that. And then the final is, uh, it's a piece-of-shit masterpiece. Uh, And that's the people for whom it's bad, but it is brilliantly, majestically bad. It is... I mean, literally, one of the commentators is a, a, a gay critic who says, look, there's only three holy grails of camp. You know, Valley of the Dolls, Mommy Dearest, and Showgirls. Those are the three. That's the trinity. With those three films, you shall understand camp. Camp has been perfected. Really? Civil- that's, that's what Civilization they... has been fine. Not everyone obviously agrees with him. No, that's just, and, and those are interesting choices. Oh, well, the first two are not. Those are universally accepted as the the things. I also I mean I would also think that something like, like John Waters would do, would be John Waters is second level. The first layer of camp is before John Waters. Oh, okay, okay. You have to make a campy movie to inspire John Waters. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh so I think Valley of the Dolls and Mommy Dearest are two that get brought up a lot. It's just what is this thing? And some there's some other stuff too. But uh anyways, the point is not for me to defend or attack showgirls is to say that this is a very interesting, well-done documentary that has a lot of uh, conflicting criticism in it, and that's why I appreciate it. Like, it can go from, and it's, there's not a lot of talking, there's no talking heads, you don't see people. There's people talking, but it's one of those films that's all edited together clips. And it's editing together showgirls with other Verhoeven movies, with news clips of what's going on at the time. Very much there's this idea, one of the defenders of the film says, you know, when Verhoeven makes films with violence, everyone accepts them as, well, not everyone, but smart people accept them as satire. So Robocop, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, there's obviously a sense of humor. But when he makes a movie with sex in it, well, those must be real. Those must be serious. He's just a pervert. And then the guy says, as if a pervert couldn't be funny. And I think that's, I think, an interesting take on Verhoeven. Uh, but there's also just as many people who are like, look, he's been a you know, not good to actresses. Famously, he lied to Sharon Stone. She had no idea in Basic Instinct uh, how much she was caught on camera revealing things mm. that was manipulative. He's featured a lot of sexual violence in his movies. Uh, uh, not just of women, though, so I think if, if you're focused on... But it's definitely something that is a storytelling gimmick for him to some extent. So I think what the film does really well is both praise and critique him because it's not about praising or critiquing him. It's about showing the variety of smart people analyzing him and this movie in particular and trying to understand it. Um, I was pretty, you know, I was compelled by the ideological criticisms. I do think the film has some bad decisions that are not defensible in a way. So famously there's just like one, I mean, 
there's only two black folks in the film and they both exist to help Nomi. Like that's all they're there for is to be her friends who yeah. help her and believe in her and support her. And then the only, her one black friend is this girl, Molly. She's the only good character in the whole movie. Like She's the only positive character, really. Everyone else is a bad person. And then she gets brutally raped in a horrible scene. And it really just exists so that Nomi can go and get revenge. Mm. And like her redemption is that the only time in the whole film she doesn't choose her career over everything is when she decides to go to this famous dude's house and get revenge for her friend, which is for a lot of people an empty sort of victory. Um, To be fair, the woman who's been playing her that character on stage there's a stage play version of showgirls yeah and one woman has been the nomi character for a long time she is a uh, survivor and she finds that scene empowering so like the same that there are people saying well just resorting to violence is like cheap you know it doesn't really mean anything there are other people saying well it means something to me you know it's yeah, very yeah, yeah. empowering so but that's why in other words all these different ideas that I want to throw at people right now, it's because the documentary is so interesting that I've got all that stuff roiling in my head. Mm. For a movie that, by the way, I do like. I do think it's like really stupid, but I think that there is stuff going on there. I just think it's like probably too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think we all get the point that Vegas is bad and that we we have bad ideas about sex. Like, I think that's the point of the film, but it's sort of like pushing it so hard that it's funny in ways that it can't be on purpose. Like, I think Verhoeven clearly has a sense of humor. You just got to rewatch. If, if you're watching Starship Troopers and you don't get the dark, cynical humor of Starship Troopers, then you're just not paying attention. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to watch movies. Right. I think that's present in Showgirls, but I don't think it works as well as he thought. I think he really did think he was making a brilliant movie. And you get that from talking to, uh, you know, famously uh, Kyle MacLachlan is in it. And when he's done interviews, he's like, don't listen to all this stuff about satire, humor, whatever. He's like, we thought we were making a drama. That's what we were told to do. We were making a very intense drama. Now, could you maybe make better jokes if all the actors think what they're doing is serious possibly but i just think it's unlikely yeah i think, it, I think it's likely a failure of a film that is fun and brilliant because it fails so hard hmm. you know yeah and we've talked about that i don't usually buy into the so bad it's good thing uh but i do think there are films that fail in such a spectacularly entertaining way that I'm not surprised people like them. And I think Showgirls is one of those movies. And to be fair, it fails on a executing a specific idea. I think sometimes people also attack the movie for technical things. You are an idiot. Paul Verhoeven, as stupid and misguided as he may be, is still a technical genius. The, yeah. the, the movie looks beautiful and he does a lot of mirroring and things. Like There's a lot of like film structure stuff going on there. I don't know that that justifies the rest of the movie. And I don't, I would never bring up that stuff to defend the movie as a whole. But I have read things where people are like, it's also so shitty. It's, you know, terribly made. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This song may be bad, but don't tell me it's not well played. It yeah, is yeah, very yeah, yeah. well played. It's just not maybe your cup of tea. That's fine. I got you. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, I watched a trailer for a movie called She Dies Tomorrow. I did as well. It looks pretty cool. I'm excited about it. Looks really cool. I love the way that A, I love all the actors who are in it. Yeah. Uh uh B, I like the way that it it is it looks to be both scary but 
the kind of scary that could fall over into some sort of a absurd comedy at the same time and i like that about it. it the concept of like contagious fear also yeah uh kind of scares the fuck out of me yeah well and it feels like the kind of thing where people are you you could find a humor in how intensely people are freaking out but then the film it seems at least from the trailer is not going to just be silly it's like going to actually fuck with you yeah there's definitely they're making it clear that there's 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 going to be a lot going on in this movie right uh liam and i also attended uh a night i attended two nights right that's true i didn't bring that up of the mahoning mahoning drive-ins annual zombie fest i went the first night and saw shivers it's very amazing shout out to Louis atero who i met there friend of the podcast we shot the shit for a little bit before i had to make the hike back to easton and then on Sunday night, Liam and I went and watched Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. I got to say, y'all, this was an eye-opening experience, even though I slept through a chunk of Maniac Cop 2. Um, people might remember, if you've read my uh, writings around Halloween, um, I covered Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. And at the time, I just found Maniac Cop 2 to be more fun. Yeah. But on this rewatch, I was struck by how thoroughly our man is trying to deconstruct everything he accomplished in Maniac Cop. Yeah. And that left such a foul taste in my mouth on this time that the fact that there are fun elements of Maniac Cop 2 didn't win me over because I was like, well, that's kind of a coward move. Like, you, like not that Maniac Cop 2, Maniac Cop, the original, is a brilliant takedown or what, that's not what I'm saying. But it's clearly a movie motivated by like, yo, what the fuck is going on with cops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's motivated by a fear that people had. And then suddenly the 90s come and we're all pro-cop and maybe a cop is actually about a noble cop done wrong. Yeah, like, it's super fucking corny. It's so corny. And and again, I get that there are people who prefer it because it's there's fun elements and it's sort of like this over-the-top action movie, you know. Great. I, I hear you, and that's how I felt the first time I watched it. But on rewatch, the stupid, corny efforts to redeem this dude, who, again, in corpse form, he's already murdered innocent people in yes. the first movie. It's it's It just feels so much like the second movie is like, forget that first movie, y'all. It didn't happen. It's so dumb, because they make it so clear in the first movie. There's a scene when... um. You know, the the homie Tom Atkins is like looking, he's he's talking like the records clerk and the record, record clerk says like, yeah, Cordell, the maniac cop used to come, come down there and look at the fucking newspapers about his exploits. Right. Like this right. was, he was a dude who, 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 who liked being a fucking authoritarian asshole. And in the second one, no, it was the politicians, which is just fence walking, boot licking bullshit. It's fucking dumb. It's a shame because I was feeling like, uh, what's the name of the director? It keeps going out of my brain. Bill Lustig. I was feeling like Bill Lustig had an underrated filmography in some ways because I love Maniac, obviously. I really love Vigilante. Um, I love Maniac Cop. And I was like, Maniac Cop 2, for a dude who didn't make a lot of movies, those are four really solid films. And then rewatching this, I was like, ah, it just doesn't work. I get that he put a lot of himself into it, and it, it reaches a level of horror and action together that like I think is pretty fun. I think it I think it works for considering who made it and the limitations he probably had, I feel like it, it does do a lot, but it's so stupid. It's just so stupid. I just couldn't I couldn't get stoked on it. Yeah. So fuck it fuck Maniac Cop too. 
I also went to the drive-in this past Sunday to see uh, a double feature of Raiders of the Lost Ark and then a little movie called Relic. Wait, Relic played at the drive-in? Yeah. Whoa, at Becky's? Yeah. I didn't know it was playing. Yeah. Shit. It's the only the only reason I went. Me and my dog took a ride up there, watched Relic. Holy fuck! Not the feel good movie of twenty twenty. I do not have the I did not have the bandwidth to do something like that. Like I don't even know I could stay up that late. But I really want to see Relic. It's it very good. really good. It's got a lot of really um, like genuinely surreal nightmarish imagery. Like right. there, there's a lot of uh, the the way a lot of like the there when when the one character is having nightmares, a lot of it feels like it plays by the non logic of nightmares, and there's a lot of like right. subtle reoccurring imagery that at face value isn't that scary, but in the logic of a nightmare, it takes on like ominous meaning. Um, it's also it's also when I say heavy handed, I don't mean this in a bad way. It's also a very heavy handed allegory for. Alzheimer's disease and dementia and it's fucking depressing it's got one of the most bummer endings I've ever seen in a movie that's sort of like marketed as like a happy ending but in reality it's just like oh cool this cycle continues and everything still fucking sucks and plus it's, it takes place in Australia well you know I'm apparently obsessed with Australia. you are obsessed with Australia I like exploitation films that's it I know you do you pick two of them for this one I'm gonna fucking so that's all we did involving horror. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, yep. we're going to talk about 1987's Dark Age. We'll be right back. Right back. For over 200 million years, the crocodile has roamed the swamplands, coexisting with the people of the land. Today, it faces its greatest predator. Another attack last night. Two fishermen. Fishermen, that's a laugh. They were poachers. Poachers or not, they are big. Looks like you've done it well and truly this time, Bessa. Me? It was one of your crocs that did it, not me. This is the one we thought we'd never see in our lifetime, man. Did we have to kill it then? Yeah. You not get him that numb and worry? He's smart. In belong this river. I've got to stop it. I don't want to hurt it, but I've got no choice. Don't you understand? Namanwari carries the spirit of the people. That's why he says he can't be killed. Devil get him. He tried to kill that crocodile and devil spirit get him. Where is he? Where's he gone? Like it. I tell you one thing, Harris. If you don't want to catch the bastard, I'll make bloody sure I do. Steve, he's not worth bothering. Piss off. Oh, 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 oh. Get it out. Leave it alone. You people frighten that crocodile. You frighten animals. It's killed. I've organized butter planes and there's a reward out. Five thousand dollars. You tell me how to solve this problem. That's that number one. Catch you catch him alive and bring him back. Why do you always have to be a hero? Now, I've told the minister the problem's solved. I've told him it's over. If anyone touches that clock, I'll be sorry. It's alive, all right, and that's the way it's going to stay. Dark Age. And we are back to talk about 1987's adventure horror film, Dark Age. Starring... John Jarrett, Nikki Coghill, Max Phipps, 
Uh, oh my God, this is gonna Burnham, Burnham. That's Uta Bond. Nikki Cargill <laughs> watching, dreaming away. Him. <laughs> Directed by Arch Nicholson. Written by Sonia Borg. A park ranger is tasked with dealing with a killer crocodile that appears to have a spiritual connection with the local aboriginals. Spiritual connection. Spiritual connection. Indigenous people are magic. Stop. They have magic powers. Stop. Why did you pick this movie? Uh, we wanted to do some uh, croc movies, and other than Alligator 2, I didn't really recognize any of the movies on the list that we had of croc slash alligator movies okay and i had just watched not quite hollywood the story of australian film okay and dark age was one of the movies that was featured and i thought well come on australian crocodile movie like you that, can't go wrong that seems to make sense um i knew that a lot of exploitation films not just this one but quite a few uh are as much about australia as they are about the thing that they're about you know uh but i was not expecting the level of uh, self-reflection, let's say, you know, uh, uh, I guess you could say white guilt, you know, is is a lot of this movie. There's a, there's a dash of white guilt in this movie. Yeah, this is very much a movie that is. Um, I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a message movie, but it is very much a movie that is playing off of an anxiety Australians have. It's not that different than when we were talking about. You know, when we were talking about Deadly Blessing, and I was saying, like, okay, a lot of religious horror movies are really about this anxiety that what if we're wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not that far from this. This is the anxiety of the colonial subject. Like, we don't belong here. This this land is not for us, right? This is this is not actually our place. And the land itself has a has a blood debt to get out of us. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. Uh, and that's sort of how the movie plays for most of the movie until it becomes like, actually, we could redeem ourselves if we save the scary killer croc. And that was not what I was expecting for this to become, at the end, an adventure film in which the death... Like, imagine if... Uh, well, we kind of talked about how this doesn't work, but take this as kind of an example. Imagine if su- midway through, Candyman became about, we have to save Candyman. <laughs> That's how we redeem ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and it kind of doesn't work that way because in Candyman, Candyman is not the spirit of, of slavery or anything like that. He just is part of that story. But it, that's not really how he functions. But you could think of it. Any movie where there's an embodiment of... Well, it'd be, it'd be, really, it, <laughs> it'd be really more like in Tales from the Hood if midway through... Uh, the drug dealer had to save Clarence, t- Clarence Williams. <laughs> or if the dude had to save the, the killer doll, the killer slave <laughs> dolls. You know what I mean? Like, the croc is being sent upon them to punish them. Now, is the croc more of a sense of justice than a force of evil? Sure. But that's always what those horror movies flirt with. Is it also eats an aboriginal child. It does. And that's, I think, the I, part of the complicated nature of this movie, I think, is that why do they make that decision? I think they do because they, for two reasons. One, they want they want it, their audience, who I think they're imagining their audience as white Australians. There's there's no part of this movie I think that is actually made for Aboriginal Australians. No, it's all for white Australians. It feels like, and they conclude that part for them to continue to doubt. They're trying to stoke the doubt there. They don't want it to be obvious, like, we should all be on the croc side. When the kid gets chomped, you go, well, I don't, I don't like this croc fella. 
yeah. I don't like this this crocodile fella. But what's funny is then our our source for knowledge, who at first again is not a reliable narrator, but by the end of the film, it's really clear that he's the only one who knows what's going on. He's like, oh, that kid's he was gonna die anyway. It's fine. He's sick. He's a sick kid. No, no, it's correct. Is sick him was he gonna die anyway? Dreaming crocodile there. That's what he says. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Udaban. 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 I mean, to be fair, this is the problem. Justin and I have a slight suspicion that some of the depiction of Aboriginal folk in this movie is bad and probably offensive. However, I think we both know that when it comes to this particular group of people, we are mm, entirely ignorant. So all I know about Aboriginal people is some of them love heavy metal. That's true. That are, some, that's a great article, by yeah, the way. Uh, and some, and in I think it's the first Crocodile Dundee movie, they fight poachers. I'm okay, okay. with both of those things. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just not a culture that we know a lot about. So it'd be really easy for us to either defend the movie uh, based upon some bullshit that we don't know, or attack the movie because the, you know a lot of the Aboriginal characters don't speak English very well. But then again, there's lots of modern, quote-unquote, woke movies where, I mean, classically, Aboriginals didn't bother to learn how to talk like us unless they were, and they were, by the way, forced to go to uh, English schools where they had to act like white kids. That happened. But without that, there, I think, historically, that's how it was. But it's hard for us to say, then, like, oh, well, that's exaggerated, like, that's a caricature, or that's accurate because we don't know anything about it. It plays for Justin a little more than me, but both of us a little bit like they're just magical indigenous folks and they're just there for the white character. I don't know much about the history of the Aboriginal people of Australia outside of the fucking atrocities that were committed to them by the British. Yeah, all the atrocities. So it's kind of ignorant on my part that my knowledge of them is rooted in the violence that's been inflicted against them. Right. But knowing what I, just to give you a little background, uh, just to skim the fucking surface of the very, very, very deep pool of horror that Britain inflicted upon these people, uh, up until, I believe, the early 1900s, it was not just legal, but encouraged to hunt indigenous people in Australia for sport. This was like, I'm like, that's the thing is like, there wasn't even like the weird fetishization of native Amer- like that native americans had you know how like you watch like a john wayne movie and they're like the red man is very noble and it's like yeah but we murdered those people right like i don't think that attitude exists in australia well i, I think there's a little bit in some works of art about like this anxiety that uh, australians don't understand australia i mean it's un- it's easy to understand how some australians might feel this way if you look at where people live, right? Yeah. They mostly just hug to the outside. Yes. And the entire middle of the country is just a place where you don't go. Yeah. If you have to drive across it, it's a bummer. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So I get why there is not a ton, but a significant amount of Australian art that's very much like the deep anxiety of being Australian. You know, the proposition might be a great example where everyone is always covered in flies. And every time a white person encounters an Aboriginal person, they end up with a spear impaling them. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there is this feeling of like, maybe we don't belong here. 
it's weird. It's almost like you don't. Yeah. So I get that. I, I think for me though, that's fine. That's a fine narrative to tell. And in a 1980s horror movie to have such a theme of white guilt based upon what was the norm at that time is actually like, okay, at least you're thinking about this. I mean, that's better than a lot of people are doing. Yeah. But the depiction, uh, the thing that I think we're both anxious about is like, this feels like a silly caricature. This feels like the, it's a step below the native Americans in Peter Pan. You know what I mean? Yes. Not a very small step either. I don't think it's quite that bad, but it feels like it could be bad. But again, what do I know? It's like, uh, you know, uh, there were some early, rev- you know, like, uh, not early, uh, European reviews of, like, Boys in the Hood that were like, well, this is a f- fucking ridiculous. You know, clearly this isn't real. And it's like, it's kind of real. Yeah. So I, what do I know? Maybe this is actually a realistic depiction, but my suspicion... I'm sorry. ...is you, that it's not that. You... It's not a realistic depiction. They cannot fucking sense magical crocodiles. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. That's, I think, the part the movie gets right at first, which is that this is about the alienation between two people, two groups of people, and we aren't given. In in fact, the whole beginning part of the movie sort of shows that our man is not a reliable narrator. He keeps saying stuff that turns out not to be true. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Now, the movie eventually explains those things, but the whole first part of the movie is, look, you've got science and and Western society, which is saying, there's a giant man-eating croc. The only option is to kill that crocodile. Yeah. However, our, our main character is in a difficult position. He's created this idea that there should be protected lands for crocodiles. And technically, the movie shows us they violated it's it's again this croc hasn't descended from the mountains for vengeance alone he is fucked with first yeah yeah they, they go into his area yes to murder crocodiles which they're not supposed to be doing and then he gets revenge uh and by the way he only hurts one person the other dead person is the result of someone being a bad dude, swimmer bluey fucking i hate bluey he's the worst dude yeah. <laughs> fucking asshole yeah okay so all that is to say I think it's a more balanced portrayal at the beginning, though I think the way that they're acting, I can't tell if that's all caricature or an, uh, or maybe just a, a, a slight exaggeration or what. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to say one way or the other. No, I don't. I, but I think by the end, where we're rescuing the crocodile in an almost Disney-like escapade, if it wasn't for actual murder being at stake, the end of the movie is like, a fucked up Disney movie. It's like very much like get the team together. We got to. It's like E.T. Yeah, exactly. So uh, by doing that, we have completely validated the truth that our indigenous characters are speaking into the world. And on a base level, I'm okay with that. Narratively, though, it's a little weird because then that means when he's saying things like "I can sense the crocodile," you're like. You know, in the when he first starts to say magical stuff, you're going, well, that's just their culture. That doesn't make it real. Yeah. But by the end, it's basically real. He's yeah. a magical croc. And and he shares a special relationship. But I also don't know. 
I mean, what if someone watching this movie goes, oh, yeah, that's us. I'm from the croc people. We we like the croc. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I'm assuming that's not real. I'm assuming that's a complete fabrication to make a cool horror movie. But I just want a name that I don't actually know that. My assumption is this is a movie that starts off with a fun sort of, uh, not maybe not fun, but I think interesting take on what could be a complicated topic but by the end it spoils so much into an adventure movie that it ends up just being like a weird like disney white guilt it's like very much like a if we save this croc then we kind of redeem white people yeah yeah which by the way they don't considering the only people that want to hurt the croc are drunken white australians drunken violent bogans and and i do want to be clear the movie is very critical of these white ass people so as much as i want to be critical of the portrayal of indigenous folks i do want to praise that the whole time the movie's like look there's almost no good white people can we just make that clear that yeah there's no cool white australians in this film there's barely any there's, there's like two i like that i like that but that's also that's the same fucking every western movie out there is this that's the same way like replace uh Udubon and his son with like like a native american man and his son and like an army lieutenant who was fucking raised by the creek people and you think of dances with wolves though sure but i mean th- but, this, I, I, but that's outside the i i would say that that no that actually westerns are all about how great white people are and how bad no but Natives the whole are. thing is is that there is a there is a tradition of in western films going back to at least the 50s sure. where there is at least one white character who is like we can't go on these people's land? It's sacred to them. Sure, they have they're very pe- whatever they make and, and they speak highly of them. Sure, and then there's another evil white guy who's just like they killed my wife or something like that. And then right. there's like, in the end, it's always that like, the Native Americans, the indigenous people, are shown in this what the filmmakers think is a respectful light. But it's just sort of like it's very sort of dehumanizing. They're it's not dehumanizing. like real people. It's dehumanizing, and it's also just like it, it. It also it's it completely erases centuries of hell that we unleashed upon those people, and they just oh no no we the, we, we we had we had a movie where there 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 we were where the white guy was nice to him. It's fine. It's totally cool. I don't know that you could. I mean, this is an uh, a, an exploitation croc movie. I don't think it's trying to erase the history of the Aboriginal. People. No no no, but. Uh, but I would be inclined to agree with you if there wasn't the weird mystical indigenous person trope in this movie. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think there is until the movie tries to resolve itself. My man has, again, even when the croc, like one of the things he says is like, well, it's not like it's going to attack the white people in the city. So what are you worried about? I mean, he's straight up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that element is there until the end. That the whole movie, Odebon, that's his name. Udubon. Udubon has almost no idea what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> like he keeps suggesting things that turn out not to be true. But by the end, the movie redeems that because what it's saying is, look, um, there is some connection, right? But the way he starts to describe the croc is like, the croc is just a scared croc. It's just this giant scared crocodile. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, and as much as I like that, um, I do think once we get into that section, they have no narrative way to explain why they find the croc other than like, okay, 
the croc has to drink fresh water. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, this is a saltwater crocodile. So saltwater crocodiles, they hunt in saltwater and they can breathe uh, in that water, but the reality, or, or drink in that water, but the reality is they have to cleanse themselves out because it's bad for them. I posted a picture on the Hard Business Twitter of a crocodile enjoying a day in the surf. So look at it. So they have to eventually go up to fresh water. Yeah. So the whole, this is why I don't think it's that mystical at first because the in the mystical insight is just he's got to go up and drink water technically the white dudes have the same insight that's why they're there to catch him because they're like he's got to come up and drink water so in that way it's almost not but by the climax of the film i agree with you it feels like there's a deeper and i think the movie makes that decision because of a sense of adventure. I don't think the movie is interested in making a statement about the trope of the mystical indigenous person. I don't think it's interested in that. I don't think that's what's on their mind. But because they made a narrative decision of like, yeah, now they're connected. It's fine. Just go, 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 go. And that that moment, you go, well, now you've ruined it because now that is now it is about the magical indigenous people. It's it, it's just before that the movie yeah. the movie is about. The clash of cultures. Yes. And the part that feels guilty is this idea that Australians want Australia to match their will. They're unwilling to meet it how it is. What they want is for it to be the way they want it to be. And And part of the way they're going to do that is to murder every fucking crocodile (laughs) they can find. And of course, that becomes a metaphor for their relationship to Aboriginal people. That when is, they also murdered every exactly, yeah. they, they at least try to, uh, and you know, uh, respect to those folks, those Indigenous folks who, by the way, are very involved right now in the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and are very much saying like this is I didn't about know that. us. Oh yeah, it's become a big thing, and and especially because you know this is one of the I think interesting things about uh, thinking about how we use the word black, right? Because in Australia, that's when people say black, they mean Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah. They say it in the movie. Yeah. Even though here, we mean people of African descent. And I want to be clear for a lot of people I've seen don't know this. Aboriginals are not, you know, the people, the indigenous people of Australia are not from Africa. No. Um, And so it's interesting that that term has come to mean more than that. But for them, feeling like, honestly, I mean, really the situation of, those folks in Australia is a mashup of the experience of of African Americans and of Native Americans, yes. right? Because they're like, this is our land, and we were slaves, and you hunted us, and you tried to give us diseases, and you put us in schools to try to make us white, like all the things, and now they are criminalized and treated poorly, you know? Yeah. So it's like all of the factors, you know, on a smaller scale because Australia is smaller, but it's like all the factors that were going on here and going on there. So they, It's whatever. like a who's who of shitty colonialism. Yeah, exactly. All rolled into one. Exactly. The, the point, all I'm saying is, the beginning of the movie, though there is a suggestion that this is not your average crocodile, all the focus of anything that could be considered unnatural or possibly supernatural is just the crocodile and the aboriginal folks though they have their own culture that they are participating in there's no indication that they have any insight or power in relation to this crocodile this dude is on his fucking own there every udubon's son in the beginning when it starts raining he says like when it takes the horse he's like what's the crocodile's name that's what I can't. I keep trying to remember. I can't remember the name of the crocodile. But there is Nobumba or something. It's not Nobumba. Jesus Christ! No, but it's like an NW. Like because they we had the we had the we had the subtitles on y'all because an Australian accent will fuck me up. But it was Newman Wari. Newman Wari. Yeah, 
I was just trying to get the NW. Yeah. It starts with NWA. Oh, it was fucking uh Newman Ward. Yeah. So he takes the what are you saying? You were pointing. Your he lead. takes the horse and it starts like raining and he's like Newman Wari and it's like there's this. Yeah, hint. but again, no, 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 no. But again, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's just he has he has some insight in the fact of like we believe in an, a scary crocodile. Yeah, but I think the film from there every time they tell our main character about the crocodile, shit don't work out. I mean, remember, they're like, well, we're looking for the crocodile. It's not like he's going to go come here, and he's certainly not going to hurt one of you know one of our folks in the village, and then the croc shows up and eats a kid. So, like, uh, I just think until the end, it's ambiguous. Yeah. And the ambiguity, I don't think, the, let's be clear, I'm not accusing this director of being woke in 1987 or some shit like that. I'm saying the ambiguity cuts through the the stereotype. Okay. Because the film wants to be ambiguous, it downplays that. Now that doesn't make it a good portrayal of the indigenous Australian folks. Like I'm not saying like this is a balance, but that's not what I'm saying at all. But it, it doesn't fully play into that magical trope because they don't know what's going on. They're in the same boat as this dude. They have some thoughts about like this is what our tradition says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But half the time they don't seem to know what they're talking about or whatever. But then, like I said, we get to this climax where they basically are saving uh, uh, Newman Wari, and they're driving him to the special uh, Billabong where he's going to be as best. When I first found out that Billabong was not just a, a short company, but it was an actual term for an Australian thing, I was like, well, my mind's fucking blown. Especially because it's surfer stuff, and you don't surf in a Billabong. No. It's a fucking like swamp, you know? Like, you don't. It's crazy. I don't know where that why that was a thing. Point is, they're taking the alligator of Billabong. At that point, it becomes like a raucous adventure movie. Now, on one hand, that's cool because that's where we get a chase scene. And any Australian film without a chase scene is it's not, not an Australian film. Basically. Uh but it also starts to become like, you know, there's like a magical connection. And I'm just kind of like one point <sighs> at one point, literally within seconds, Udaban goes from being like in traditional quote unquote normal western clothes right to being in like full fucking aborigines like painted up ceremonially yeah with harpoons and shit like yeah that yeah and I, so, what are you doing like what 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 is this what why are they i just i don't know it's just it, it's shit like that they did those depictions where it shows how exotic sure these people are just makes me like tremendously uncomfortable I think it's just complicated because I don't know what the what the attitude is there. Like that's what I want to know, right? Is yeah, like, yeah. How do they feel? You know, like if you're watching this film, I mean, one hundred percent. I would assume most folks watching this who are Indigenous Australians are not going to be like, "Whoa, what an empowering portrayal by people." They got the dreaming crocodile right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's what I'm saying at all. But I think there's particular elements that bum us out that I'm like. Is this part a bummer, or is I, or am I projecting this? You know what I mean. I, I get that a little bit from following. Uh, you know, there's a there's a, a, a Native American activist I follow, and he makes a lot of jokes about tribal dancing. Yeah, yeah. Like he he did a thing where it was like, you know, when you when you listen to tribal music while you're working out, and it's him like dancing on like a track thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like that's part of your culture. You're into that. But if some white dude was the dude, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's the issue. Is that like the this is a film made by white people for white people? Yes. So him suddenly spearing folks. You know what I mean? Literally throwing spears. 
Uh, which, uh, you know, maybe they have spears. Like, the point is not that that's completely, like, ridiculous that they would even have spears. But the point is, because it's a white person doing it, I'm like, well, this might be a big fucking problem. You know what I mean? It might be. Yeah. I just don't know enough to know, like, that's not cool that he has that. Or someone's going, well, he's a fucking chief, and the chief has a spear. What's wrong with you? You yeah, don't know that about ceremonial chiefs? ceremonial spears. I don't know. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Yeah. But the reality is, I don't think you need to get down to that grainy level to, like, understand the movie. Like, I think the movie itself is just, like, pretty good. Unfortunately, the croc doesn't always work there are times when the croc is scary yes and there's other times where you see too much of the croc and it's not scary at all i think they used the, 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 okay uh, i'm gonna go out on a limb and yeah. i have a theory yeah a hypothesis actually there were numerous models for the crocodile some looked really good some didn't look very good i think that's probably true the first time we see the croc it doesn't it, it's 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 straight up comical it's it's not at all it's not great not scary that being said, there are scenes when uh, the croc is, you know, lurking, stalking, some would say, where it's effective. I mean, it's obviously a fucking fake crocodile, but sure, it, it, it's like it's um, it gets the job done, you know, because all it needs to do is like, fucking float and look ominous. And it does it. Right. Um, I didn't look into it because like part of me wanted to know, but part of me also didn't want to know is the lifestyle lifestyle that I live. Um, I'm not entirely unconvinced or i'm not entirely convinced that there wasn't actual footage of like crocodile hunts in this movie oh that might be that might be true because there's a lot of scenes where like these fucking assholes are like poaching crocodiles right and the shit looks really fucking realistic it looks realistic like and i'm not talking they don't they're not like uh you know, they don't shoot it with a bow and arrow. They're like blowing the heads off crocodiles. Right. And it looks like, did they fucking murder? Is this like some Ruggiero, the the guy who uh, made Cannibal Holocaust and actually killed people? He didn't kill people. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, it's hard to know if there's animal cruelty in the film or not. Um and technically, they don't have to. I'm sure there's plenty of footage of crocodile hunts they could have used. Yeah, but... But the question is, did they kill crocs for the movie? I don't, I don't know. But, but the thing... That's what I'm saying. is, And the reason I think that is because, like, there's a scene at the end when Bluey is like, hey, bit me am off and I'm going to get me revenge. And he goes after it with an axe. And he's, like, hitting this crocodile in the head with an axe. And you don't see much of it. And I'm inclined to believe that if they have the, if they have the capability to make these ultra-realistic shots of crocodiles' heads exploding from getting shot, they could do something similar with this fucking bogan asshole hitting it with a with an axe. I don't know. That that just didn't didn't sit too well with me. Um and again, I don't think they I don't I don't know if I'm not saying that the filmmakers actually went out and shot animals for the movie. What I'm saying, like what you kind of touched upon was I think they may have used actual footage of crocodile hunts, which I'm almost just as uncomfortable with because I don't want to fucking see depictions of an animal being killed. I hear you. I think for me, that is gross, but it's less of a bummer. It well, there's already a, a precedent for it. Yeah, you know because of uh, so those wake you, and fright. They did the same thing. Yeah. So for wake for those of you who don't know wake and fright, they had this idea of like, oh, we're gonna go show this uh, show this uh, kangaroo hunt. And they w- we want our kangaroo hunt to be this drunken mess. So what we'll do is we'll go out with these professional kangaroo hunters, right? And then we'll film them with our actors. And then, you know, we'll be good to go. 
Only what it turns out is that uh, professional kangaroo hunters, at least in 1970, whatever, when that movie came out, are drunken assholes who don't treat kangaroos right at all. They actually fucking shoot kangaroos for fun. They were shooting all ages of kangaroos. It just was like, it was worse. The way the director described it is worse than what they had wrote in the script is what the real thing was. Yeah. So they uh, literally hit up whatever animal rights organization that they could find in the 70s. Carl Beekner. And they said, yeah, he, I don't even know if he was alive yet. <laughs> and they, they sent the footage and said like, well, this is what we got. I guess we got to cut it or whatever. And they were like, oh, no. No, you shall not. You will leave this footage in the film. And they See, were like, why would we do that? And they're like, because nobody knows this is what it is. And so they put the movie out. Well, the first thing the Australian government did was ban the film in Australia because of that. But eventually, they actually, for a brief time, outlawed the hunting of kangaroos. And then when it came back, they put restrictions and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to understand, when I say real kangaroo hunters, I don't mean amateur people. These were government-paid people who keep the population down of kangaroos because they're, you know, there are no anymore uh, or not enough predators of kangaroos. So they have to reduce the population or else there'll be kangaroos everywhere. So that's, that's I mean, just, I'm okay with that. That's, oh, I know you are, but I'm saying that's the reality. I, I, I would prefer you bring back predators, but I get that everyone's afraid of that. So, all right, we got to reduce the kangaroo population. What what predators would, would that be? Uh, I don't know, actually. Because <laughs> it's not dingoes, right? I, I don't think dingoes are big enough to kill dingoes a Dingoes are also not indigenous Australia. Dingoes only showed up to uh, Australia like 4,000 years ago. Well, regardless, so I would say like the Tasmanian, like the real Tasmanian yeah, devil. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, possibly, I don't monitor know. Monitor lizards are they big enough? Probably crocodiles. Yeah, that's true. Some sort of bird. The <laughs> Jesus. The point is, is that these were government paid people. They were supposed to be professionals. These were actually drunken assholes with whatever. And so they, you know, there's a warning before the film starts that there's going to be some upsetting footage. And then the film ends. I mean, this is not supposed to be a message from about kangaroos. This is a movie about something else entirely. But it ends with, this was real. This is what happened. If you're concerned about this, whatever, whatever. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, it was a decision they made. For me personally, it was very upsetting because I didn't know that was in the movie. And I definitely had it very you know, good friends, but sensitive vegans. I was the only not vegan in the room. Yeah. And now I'm showing them a movie with murdered kangaroos. I felt very bad. See, I think if you know it's there and you make the decision to watch it, I don't think that's bad because, you know, people, in my mind, people can see that and be like, okay, well, I know this is, you know, and technically I think it works very well with the film, but I think that I get, I don't know that, people really knew even though it says that there's this upsetting footage i don't know that people knew what that meant so i bet there were people who saw the film and were like fucked up by it you know what i mean that was just like holy shit but it's also important to keep in mind they technically there were no rules you know what i mean like they they didn't violate any laws it's not like now where it's like oh that horse got hurt like this movie's over you know what i mean like it's at the time it was like no whatever do what you want i don't care you know so I don't know. It's it's so I think with the King Ruth with the crocodile thing, it's there's already a precedent that that could be part of a movie. Yeah, I don't know that I want to see it. I mean, like you know, like I feel that way about a lot of things. Like you know, if you were making, a, I don't want to see like cockfighting. You know, there's oh. that 
cockfighter movie that a lot of people think is really good. Oh yeah, Bloodsport. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I yeah. don't, I don't, I'm not into animal stuff like that. You know what I mean? No, so. it's like it's this. It's to me, it's the same thing. It's like I understand. I understand how the. I, I'm assuming it was probably the uh, Humane League at that point that was involved with this because that was before Peta's time, uh, before they ruined everything. Um, <laughs> I get that people need to see that, but at the same time, it's like how I feel like when I see people on Twitter, like other vegans posting shit like, look at this video of like a pig getting killed. And I'm like, yo, you know other vegans follow you. You're right. fucking preaching to the choir. Like, I don't need to see that shit. Like, to me, that's like... Right. So I don't I don't want to get off on a tangent, but anyway. Um, I think at this point, it's, it's certainly ridiculous when um, you can see whatever you want to see. Yeah. You know, anyone who wants to say like, oh, it's probably not that bad. Two minutes on YouTube and you can find out. Yeah, that's wrong. You know what I mean. So, uh, I I I I think a lot of this movie I enjoy, but the crocodile thing is a that that part was a bummer to me. And I thought there's just too many shots of it for me to believe it's special effects. Yeah, just too many. And again, like I said, and the scene when fucking Bluey attacks uh, Newman Wari with an axe, they don't show it close up. It's like a, it's right. like kind of a, di- and so it, I'm like, if they, they, they could pull that off. So, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I don't want to get all high and mighty and condemn the filmmakers for making that choice. It's just something that I that didn't sit with me too well, and I'm not even sure if that's a, like a philosophical thing or just an overall like me being as delicate as I am about everything. I don't think so. I think it's it's a fair point, and I think that. Even if they were doing it because they felt like there's a lot in this movie. Like to be clear, I don't know if we said this or, or we said it as directly as we could. You know, the the main character is a guy who protects crocodiles. His job is not to do that. Yeah, his job is to protect people from crocodiles. Yeah, yeah. But what he actually did was come up with a plan to protect crocodiles. I think that in that sense, I could see them justifying it somehow. Like, well, we're just showing the crocodile. Blah, yeah, blah. I mean, they're they're showing the. It's not like the heroes are killing crocodiles. It's these like scumfuck pieces of shit who are getting drunk and going out and fucking poaching these. It's like uh, if anyone in, the, in in any areas who's listening is it, it lives in like places where there are deer. Uh, if you've ever heard of the term jack lighting, it's what they do. It's what they they do. They're doing that, but with crocodiles. They're blinding. They're blinding them with lights and then fucking shooting them. I don't know what they do with the skins afterwards. Maybe they wear them. I don't know. Um, I do. I do want to say uh, it's worth noting. You know, I picked this movie because it's in that exploitation documentary. Yes. Uh, didn't realize because I don't think they mentioned in that movie. That movie never screened theatrically in Australia. Really. Apparently, it was co-produced by Avco Embassy. Okay. Uh, and Avco Embassy went out of business before the movie was released. No shit. So. You could get it eventually on VHS in Australia, but it never played theatrically. It did play theatrically in the U.S. because those rights are owned by a different company. Mm. So, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, exploitation-y people saw it here. Horror people the saw it year here. after Crocodile Dundee, so they probably making that sweet money. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I, that wasn't a joke. Like, I get yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, anyways, point is, there's some upsetting things about this movie. Yeah. I still kind of liked it. I still kind of enjoyed no, I, it. I, I legitimately enjoyed it. But I think that um, I think the crocodile part is a little bit more of a bummer to me. I think the the uh, not that I'm not concerned about the uh, depiction of indigenous folks, but I don't think this 
is any worse than a lot of other things at yeah. the time. You know what I mean? And I think if you're going into that 80s movie, you have some idea of like, oh, this is not going to be what I want. You know what I mean? Oh, for an 80s movie, I'm sure it's fucking head and shoulders above. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, if someone was like, well, I don't want to see this weird thing where, you know, they're with a the croc and whatever. Like, I would understand that. Yeah, I would. yeah. But uh, if you're like, well, I just want to see a movie where a big croc fucks up a bunch of people with slight racial undertones of like, well, except for that. I mean, it is true, except for the kid, which is very upsetting. Except for the kid, he does only fuck up white people. So if you just want to see yeah. white people get eaten by a croc, that, that's that part's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it when 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 Bluey gets his arm bitten off, man, yeah. I, mean, took, I got an awful arm. <laughs> that is like just yeah, it's fucking true. awesome. It's true. So that was Dark Age. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're, we're gonna, when we come back, we're gonna talk about 2007's uh, grotesque retelling of the saga of Sweetheart the Crocodile, Rogue. We'll be right back. I'm supposed to catch a boat cruise from here. So one of the rules of my tour is that you have only one chance to complain about the heat and the flies. I'm a travel writer for a magazine. How long are you out here anyway? Oh, just a few days. Alice Springs after this, then home. Where's that? Chicago. Yeah, saltwater crocodile. It's probably the most dangerous member of the crocodilian family. So they can swim underwater at up to 20 miles an hour without making a ripple on the surface. And they can burst out to attack with incredible speed. Don't worry, man, we're perfectly safe on this boat. They won't attack anything bigger than they are. How big is this boat? Big enough. This, this is a bloody tidal river. Well, that's how high the tide will be when it comes in. Do something! Everett! Everett! You're not going in the water! I am getting in the water. Yeah. I'm gonna swim across. Real quiet. It's an animal out there and it's it's hunting us. back to talk about 2007's action adventure drama rogue an american journalist on assignment in the australian outback encounters a man-eating crocodile while trapped on a rapidly flooding mud island written by it's a bunch of people written by greg mclean directed by greg mclean now greg mclean greg mclean is an australian filmmaker who also made a little movie called wolf creek also starring the homie john jarrett Side note, John Jarrett was born in, I have to find this, I have to tell you where he was born, because it's the fucking coolest sounding name in the world. Born in Wollongong, New South Wales. <laughs> Let's just get, cut to the chase about this. Uh, Greg McLean, he, the two movies I've seen of his, this and Wolf Creek, um, they're not particularly amazing films, and there is a cruelty to them that I don't like. Okay. 
if you could justify it by him maybe wanting to show the harshness of the Australian outback. Sure. Cool. I don't think that's why, though. I mean, I think he is specifically trying to bring back the exploitation film to Australia. Yes. Whether that's successful or not. No, I'm not going to shrug. He's not successful at all. You saw, <laughs> you watched Rogue. Well, I've never seen Wolf Creek, so I okay. have no idea what that is like. But uh, I, mean, it's... I mean, okay, let's say if if the starting ground is the first Mad Max movie, these are cruel. You know, the, the, this is a this is a tradition of cruel films. This film had parts in it that didn't need. For one, they kill the dog. I do not like that. It's fucking cheap. It's dumb. It's almost never. Uh, it's almost never earned. In in this particular case, I thought it was corny and anticlimactic. Yeah, I I I am less sensitive to dog death than other people are. Me, I'm the one person who, when John Wick edited, I thought that was a lot of dead Russians for one dog, and boy, was that not a popular tweet on my timeline. People got real mad at me about that one, but I'm sorry. Possibly as many as ten too many dead Russians. No, for the dog. No just saying um point is is that in this particular case i'm not that sensitive to this topic and yet i thought well that was dumb yeah it's just, it's just so unnecessary and it serves no purpose other than to be one more kick to the gut yeah yeah um so where to start with this fucking movie uh, i put forth the theory and i cannot be proven otherwise that john jarrett's character in dark age is his character in this one no, because he doesn't know shit about crocodiles. Beep, 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 beep. He's a croc expert in beep, the. Beep, beep. Oh my god. He's letting. He's letting. I don't even know the act. The actor's name. The lead actor who's like the fucking guide. He's letting her have her moment in the sun because he's so polite. Anyway, so my biggest problem with this movie, um, and I have a couple of them. My biggest problem with this movie is that it couldn't pick a fucking thing to be about. It couldn't. It it it, it couldn't decide, because. Unfortunately, you can't just have a movie that's 90 minutes of these people being stuck on a mud island. You could. You but, could. But this chooses not to. It, you could, but it's going to get boring very fast. Yeah, I guess. No, I'm saying, like, if it's just a bunch of people, like... like it, he has to have a, a... Well, I think what you're referring to is there's a lot of sub... There's a lot of backstory to all these people. There is, and there doesn't need to be. There was... Some there were there were a few compelling backstories where I was like, okay, if it was just that, I would be okay with that. But this film was just like juggling two ball too many balls in the air at once, and it wasn't nearly as fucking sophisticated as it thinks it was. Well, I think I think you could tell a story about this many characters with interesting backstories, but the problem is a I don't think this dude is a particularly great director. No, and b um. None of those backstories matter for these characters. Like, it doesn't serve a purpose. Like, the fact that the one woman um, it, it has a condition and she's worried about being able to... Like, that's just a throwaway... There's no value to it. it that's what I'm saying. They just, they just introduce it. It's the same mechanism. Um, it's the same mechanism behind killing the dog. It's a cheap kick to the guts to try to get you to care about these people without doing any real work. When the dude, there, so the one, the our, our man pours the ashes into the river, right? Yeah. It briefly humanizes him. You know, I thought that oh, was. I thought that yeah. was. I thought that was really nice. And then he's mostly a jerk off after <laughs> that, and so it's kind of like, well, why did you, 
what was the narrative? You just want to remind us that people who are nice and mourning their family members can also be jerk-offs? Is it's, that what the it, point of this and is? And not just a jerk-off. Like, an exceptional jerk off, except for oh the, yeah, except for the last like ten minutes when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna help this, I'm gonna help this woman swim across this fucking river." It, it just it did all these things like all this movie had to be was our lead actor, the she's the riverboat guide, her a bunch of fucking throwaway red shirts, and then yep. Sam Worthington as the asshole ex boyfriend who shows up and helps them out. That could have worked fine, but instead they had to be like, here's a guy whose wife died. Here's a guy, here's a woman who has this unnamed disease that she's probably going to die in a few years. Uh, here's the handsome American who serves no purpose whatsoever. I mean, he ends up being the focus of the movie. Uh, it, he but, is the main character, and I guess that's because he's uh, attractive and American. I like, guess. He brings nothing else he, to the movie. You literally could have grabbed a handful of dirt from the island and been like, this is the main character of this movie. And it would have been just as compelling. This guy does fucking nothing. Aside from he has like a snarky, uh, like a snarky fucking, uh, what you, I can't even think. He engages with Sam Worthington snarkily. And that's it. That's all this guy does. That's the only purpose he serves. So there's all this shit going around with this movie where there's there's just too much going on for a movie about people stuck on an island and a giant crocodile is trying to kill them. Now, to be fair, trying isn't even a fair term. This crocodile is actually killing them uh, with almost no resistance. And the only reason they all don't die in five minutes of a movie is because we need there to be a movie. Yes. But like in reality, he just takes them whenever he wants one he takes one uh you and i agreed though that first kill is pretty cool well okay so this is this is what's frustrating when we're not seeing the crocodile yeah this is in a lot of ways a much more effective movie than our other film dark age i agree it has high tension levels and it's scary whatever however the CGI in this movie, when we do see the crocodile, is almost as bad as the shitty plastic model in Dark Age. That's such that it's like, well, there's more interesting things going on in Dark Age. So why, you know what I mean? Like, there's almost once the tension goes away from our CGI crocodile. Yes, this movie has nothing else to offer you. There's no compelling no. characters. There's nothing about the narrative. It's just, are they going to get eat by the croc? I, and do I care that they're getting eaten by the croc? I think that this movie, um, the CGI in this movie, I'm not a person who, I'm not a C- CGI hater. In oh, fact, yeah, no, we've talked about that. Yeah, um, I don't want to get into it, but whatever. But I mean, we kept bringing up an example just earlier. Uh, a movie that is drunk with CGI is Starship Troopers. Yes. And, you know, there's some clunky places now, but at the time and for the you know many years, I thought, this movie's great. I was when I first saw the movie. Was like they went to a planet, and there were killer bugs, <laughs> and then they ate Clancy Brown. No, um, would you like to Michael Ironside? More? Yeah. Um, I had just written about. Here's a good plug. I just written about in the edition of this Justin about Neil Marshall's Dog Soldiers, and one of the things I like about that movie is that like, um, when it comes to, like practical effects in horror films, even the best people in the field. You know, men like Rob Boutine, Stan Winston, um, Rick Baker. The effects are designed to work in bad lighting right. because you don't want to show too much because then you see the zippers, you see the seams. Yeah. 
the aliens in Aliens look amazing. And James Cameron still told fucking Stan Winston, make them look good in low light. Like, that's what, because it, you know, it's just, that's how yeah. things are. In Dog Soldiers, though, those werewolves are meant to be leered at. They're meant to be gawked at. They're meant to be uh, seen. This movie doesn't have that. This movie could work if the crocodile was only ever seen in the water or only ever seen for a little bit. But the last 15 minutes of the movie, all we see is the crocodile in yep. like good lighting. Yep. And it looks so fucking terrible. Well, and they, okay, there's a number of problems with the crocodile. One is the CGI is choppy. It doesn't look real. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Uh, they can't decide how big this fucking crocodile is. Right. So first, it's the size of a dinosaur, so that it can knock over a whole boat with yes. one push. But then it's small enough that it can sneak up on our mans in the woods. Sam Worthington, yeah. Any being that large in those woods could not fucking help but knock over some trees and break some branches, splash but, around like when it's getting out of the water. It's too big to be sneaky. Yeah. The point of the film is not that. Big alligator has to sneak up on you. No, it's so big that it comes running at you. You're fucked. There's no getting away. Yeah. The most you could do is monkey jump up a tree and then wait for it to uh, stand on its hind legs and eat you from the tree. Or will yourself unconscious, which is what I would do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the point is, is that you can't be like, this thing is as big as a dinosaur and then continually try to like have it sneak up on people. Now, could it swim up on people? Yeah. That's why alligators are scary. Yes. So just have it swim up more. But it, it, it multiple times it walks up, not in the water, as like a trick on the audience. That shit does not work. Yeah. Here's the thing. If an alligator comes at you on land, it's scary. It's really fucking scary. But uh, there's things you can do. Like run as fast as you fucking can and zigzag. Yeah. You, alligator, especially when that big comes up on you in the water, you're dead. There's nothing you can do. And the movie can't figure that out. It it does it really effectively when literally the camera pans over and you realize a full character is gone. That it was that was cool. Just gone. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's where we're at on this one. And then they don't play up that level of fear. In fact, they actively work against it because. Right. Let's say you and me were on. An, let's say you and me were in this identical situation for yeah. whatever reason. Somehow you talked me into going on a fucking boat cruise. There are numerous times when characters are just standing near the water, like within, idiots, like fucking idiots, idiots. Like, the, like there, there's higher ground they can get to. Instead, they're just like, like there's people. Uh, okay, so while doing research for this episode, research, quote unquote, for this episode. Uh, I was informed about the story of the Savo Maneaters. Are you familiar with that? No. They're two lions back in the mid-1800s uh, in Kenya, I think. Um, the British were building a railway to connect like a port seat in Kenya into like... Sure. Some, and these two lions showed up and just ruined everything for everybody. They would kill... like. It wasn't just that they were like killing people, is that the way they were killing people, they made a movie about it, The Ghost in the Darkness, starring Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer. <laughs> Somehow reality is more terrifying than what Holly, because like, in the movie they're like, it's these two lions that are showing up and they just can't be stopped. What the movie fails to mention is that these lions would almost supernaturally walk, literally walk into the camp, miles into the camp, and be like, 
get that one and then drag the guy out so the whole thing is is like uh i forget where the fuck i was going with this oh oh at one point there they bring in the great white hunter right like lord salisbury whatever his name is yeah and he's like we're gonna track him and we're gonna get this thing and this guy's like, I'm going to get in there and fucking, it's going to be like a day's work. I get in there on Tuesday, fucking kill these things, and then I'll take the first uh, steamship back to London. There's a diary entry this guy wrote where he's like following the one kill, and he says, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my back to the grass as often as I did. Right. Everyone in this fucking movie is way too comfortable with having their back to the water when the water's like three feet behind them. Right. And that just like the the whole time I was watching this movie, like they set it up when that first kill is like, okay, that was effective. I'll I'll give Greg McLean credit for that. But then none of the other characters respond in a realistic way. Right. So then it's like when they die, you're like, of course they're going to die. They didn't learn anything. It's fucking dumb. Well, and and each of the ideas like whenever they try to figure some way out to like work through this thing, the way that those things fall apart is stupid. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of the scares after that, they're just kind of cheap, you know? Yeah. And it all builds towards a really stupid scene in this, basically the Crocs lair where he discovers our guide and, you know, tries to save her. The, the American guy does. And it all just... This Croc... Eats every single person it comes across, right? Except the guide, or murders every single person it comes across, except right. the guide. Well, so, so dumb. okay, so we're given the idea that he's been dragging them. The, the other thing here is like it actually suffers from too much information. Where it's like, well, he's just taking them and taking them back to the lair. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Chekhov's lair. You know, like the lair is going to come in later. You know, from the moment Sam Worthington says that, you go, okay, so we're going to the lair. I know we're going to the lair. But he gets to the lair and only she's alive, like none of yeah. these other people. And then it, there's too much information about the way Crocs work, right? That you think, well, then why is he still attacking them? There's no reason. And the characters keep telling you, he shouldn't be acting this way. This isn't how Crocs act. Something's wrong here. And then never bothers to... I, I, what is that about? I think... Okay, and I'm giving this movie way too much credit. Yeah. Um. They, she does say at one point, we're on its territory. They say that multiple times. But but this thing is not trying to simply drive them away. Right. It's not like an active assault. No. Because then Sam Worthington says like, oh, it knows we're here and it knows it has a constant food source. And it's like, okay, well, is it a constant food source? Or is it like a bull crocodile who's like, I'm pissed because someone's on my territory? Well, like, which and even then, that's the point, right? He snatches them to bring them back to the lair to finish eating later. Yeah. So there should be a bunch of them. Instead, what we're shown is he's been snatching them, taking them back to the lair, and then immediately eating them so he can go back and snatch more, which we've already... like. Except like, Sam Worthington, who he doesn't eat right away. But this is what I'm saying, right? We don't need to know that information about crocodiles for yeah. the movie to work. They give us all this information, and then they don't do it. And that's, like, to me, such a stupid mistake. Like, you could have just been like, I don't know, it's Crazy Croc, he eats people. And and the 90% of audiences are going to go, yeah, Crazy Croc. All they had to say was this. The movie's called Rogue. Uh, in Jaws, it's a rogue shark. Right. All they had to say was, like, that's weird. This crocodile's, like, 
not acting the way a normal crocodile does and then leave it at that. We don't need fucking biology of crocodilians they 101. They give us so much information. And then even after they land all this information, our main character is the one who goes, still, it doesn't make any sense. And he says three different times, just doesn't make any sense. Okay, well then make it make fucking sense. Are you telling me all you're going to tell us is like, here's all this information about crocs, but it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Let's don't waste my time. The croc is attacking them. No That's point. all I need to know. We don't need to hear. Like, uh, I just I, again, I'm nitpicking. I know I am, but if 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 Liam and I were trapped on on a on an island that was rapidly submerging and there was a a dinosaur trying to kill us, I, we wouldn't be arguing about the, f- the finer points of crocodilian psychology. Like, oh, this is really weird. He's doing this. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not. No, fuck it. We're trying to survive here. Uh I will say though, I think John Jarrett's character in this one's he's a, does a better job in this one than he does in Dark Age. I, Even though I like Dark Age more, I don't think I agree. I do, I do like him in this one to some extent. Although I think the writing's stupid because I just think it's stupid that he becomes like one of the dickheads. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they already had the dickhead. Yeah, exactly. There's multiple dickheads. It's Australia. Everyone's a dickhead. Stop. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have much else to say about this movie. No, it's just bullshit. It's, this is another like, uh, and I remember, I do remember when this movie first came out, it was marketed as being based on a true story. Um, and anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that the real story of this crocodile was that there was a crocodile in a river that would like chase boats and the locals were like, I guess we're not going to go in the river now because there's a giant croc. Oh, cool. We're not going to go in there. And then the Australian government tried to move the croc and the croc died. That's the story. It didn't kill anybody. And then they're like, in a world where dinosaurs still walk the earth, based on a true story from the filmmaker Wolf Creek. And then they made shit up. Well, and I think it's worth noting, too, that both these movies represent this idea that there's always this one bigger croc. Like, whatever big fucking croc they find and they put in a fucking museum because they have to murder it. Yeah. Rest in peace, sweetheart. There's some feeling in Australia that if you went deep enough into every billabong, there's one bigger croc. I'm going to go on record and say I'm not entirely convinced that's not true. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of shit in Australia that wants to kill you, but I just think it's it's just such a, a weird anxiety. It's just such a specific thing this idea that like just somewhere out there it's an anxiety held by what demographic in australia white people it's white anxiety about australia yes this movie's not smart enough to make that point though so fuck it it's true rogue is uninterested in all the different things going on with these people on their fucking croc tour i mean the whole thing is croc tourism right they're fucking you know hey look at the crocs they dance like fucking dancing bears the one tour is they like do dance i like that no like literally the one tour is like all right here's where we feed the croc and he stands on his feet and whatever whatever it's so like uh, who gives a fuck about these things? Oh wait, turns out one of them's still dangerous. Oops. Yeah. You know. Well, no, Liam. It doesn't matter how big they are; they're all dangerous. She, the the guy, dramatically makes a point to let us know that doesn't matter how big they are; they're still dangerous. But this one is still the size of a fucking elephant. Literal dinosaur. It's so... actual dinosaur. <sighs> we already have a giant reptile movie. It's called Alligator, and it's yeah. brilliant. I'll go to bat for Lake Placid too. Yeah, Lake Placid. Lake Placid's great. This is fuck it. I'll go to bat for a dark age. I will say we're gonna have to do this topic again because this was not 
I like Dark Age, but overall, this is not as satisfying as I think an alligator slash croc episode could be. There are, there will never be a mo- how many. I'll say this right now. This is my pledge. How many crocodile alligator ep- episodes do we need to do? One more. And when we do that one, how many more do we need to do? One more. One more. There's always, there's always another killer crocodile movie out there. Unless well, I'm not doing Mega Croc versus fucking Robo Gator. I won't do it. No, I'm not into that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah. Um. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, you can head to Cinepunks.com and hear more episodes of this podcast as well as other podcasts such as Cinepunks, Weird Obscure and Possibly Unsafe, Tomb of Ideas, Black Sun Dispatches, Fat Girl Hacks, Wine and Cheese. Uh, am I missing any ones? Books B-Sides. Um, Cinepo- um, yeah, Cinepocalypse. Cinema Smorgasbord. Check that out. Um, follow us on Instagram at Twitter at TheHarBiz666. And if you like what you hear, go to www.patreon.com backslash, backslash Cinepunks and, you know, maybe just fucking throw some dineros our way. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Um, and on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have designs up for those new shirts. Like I said, they're $15 a pop. We pay shipping size small through 2XL. Uh, just message me on there. Um, and I'll, you can PayPal me the money and I'll send it to you. So until next time, always remember the Aurora PD killed Elijah McClain. Yep. Peace. After a while, crocodile. See you later, alligator! Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.